It took a big chunk It's bleeding. It's bleeding. Oh no, it's bleeding. The thing just ripped my ear off. What do you think? Hello again and welcome to this week's Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. Steve-O's waiting to join us live in Australia as usual, so let's get to it straight away. Steve-O, a milestone podcast this week. This is our 21st edition of our get-togethers. So, can I just wish you a very <laughs> happy 21st birthday? <laughs> and people said he would never laugh. Eh? <laughs> I know, my, I know. My you, they said that years ago, didn't it? What, like 40 years ago? They said, what are these two clowns talking about? Correct. <laughs> and we beat them all. We beat them all. Well, we did, we did, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, listen, it's great. It's great to be uh, back involved with rugby league. Um, crucial times as well, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, uh, Challenge Cup semi-final lineup now confirmed. Castleford against Warrington, Holland St. Helens. And apparently Castleford and St. Helens women's teams, along with Leeds and York City Knights, they're in the semi-finals of the women's competition. So it sounds like it's the cup that cheers, Steve-O. It certainly is. And uh, you've got to uh, agree that the fact that uh, we've got to give a lot of publicity for the, the females' game. It's a tough environment, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that the BBC will do a good coverage. Yes, they're going to broadcast the women's final on the same day as the men's semi-finals, uh, which are being played. So uh, they're going to be shown all on the same day, one after the other. It's a, it's a bonanza of rugby league on the BBC that weekend. Right, let's look back to the quarterfinals. What a significant win for Hull, 20 points to 10. Uh, against Wigan. And so this means, of course, that Brett Hodgson, in his first season in charge, he's now just 80 minutes away from a Wembley final. It's amazing. Uh, and I think it, he's done a, a fine job because, let's face it, um, getting rid of the last coach wasn't the best scenario, was it, in regards to public uh, letting them know. I mean, just straight after the game. And, and a lot of players... I felt a little bit disappointed with the uh, the whole officials there. Uh, but he has come in, the new coach, he's settled them down. And it didn't surprise me because they were beaten by Wigan the week before. And it didn't surprise me that they would really up the tempo because they know what it's like to get to a Wembley final. Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, in many people's eyes, it's a surprising win for Hull, but they showed great defence. And as you say, nine days after losing to Wigan in the Super League, two men stood out for me, Steve-O. Josh Reynolds, only his third appearance of the season, but he's looking good alongside Mark Sneed. And this big Tongan prop forward, Chris Satai. Two tries, an outstanding performance from him. Yeah, well, we all know the South Sea Islanders have really become, well, generally speaking, uh, the hit players in both this country in Australia and, of course, in, in Europe. Uh, the bigger they are, the bigger they fall, they say. But he was, he was tremendous. I mean, those tries just didn't come easy. He had to work hard to get over there. But as I say, it did not surprise me because, you know, the smell of Wembley and the black and whites, oh, the crowd. And let's hope now 
when they do allow the crowd into it, that we can get back to normal. Well, that would be fantastic. And, of course, the crowds are going to come back to Super League next uh, Monday night. As soon as the restrictions are lifted, the crowds, small numbers, but they are going to come back. Uh, and that, that we all can't wait for that, steve I know you've had it in Australia for a while. We can't wait over here. Yeah, well, I was, I was invited to watch the, uh, the Manly versus Warriors game last Sunday. And it was tremendous. You know, there was 8,000 allowed into, into the ground. And the atmosphere was electric, absolutely electric. And so was Tommy Turbo, Trevojevic, the fullback. Remember, he was the man that uh, got injured. He hadn't played many games over the last two seasons. But what a performance. He scored two tries. He had four assists, creating tries, five line breaks and 11 tackle busts. And his quote after the game was, I think I'm getting back to my best. Wow. <laughs> he was sensational. He might have got a man of the match watch off you then, mighty, if, uh, if you'd have uh, had a few bob in your pocket, eh? <laughs> I doubt it, Eddie. I doubt it. These, uh, listen, listen these, these players get so much money, they can buy their own. Their, they their own Timex. <laughs> they can probably buy you one. Um it, it, it was bad for Wigan at the weekend. News, though, from down under, and you've got it for us, Oliver Gildart has signed, you're saying, for the West Tigers. That's right, a two-year contract. So he will join up with Jackson Hastings, who also has signed a two-year contract starting next year. And this must be unhappy times at Wigan. And they must be desperate now to snare back George Williams who is very, very confident in saying that I'd like to go back home. He is homesick. Uh, it's trouble with being a, away from his family. And Wigan have made it quite clear that they were quite happy to, to bring him back. He still has next season on his contract, but Canberra are trying hard to sort of appease him by bringing over the family from the UK but it's not going to be easy. It, well, it won't be. He does feel homesick. Uh, Adrian Lamb, the Wigan coach, as you rightly say, have said that the Warriors are very interested in, in bringing him back. Steve, well, here's a question for you. Um, why do British players get homesick in Australia on what seems to be a fairly regular basis? Yet the Aussie players generally come over here to the UK and they stick it out. Is it a difference in the way we're made up in this part of the world? What is it, do you think? I think the biggest problem is that um, uh, it depends on whether you have a family that's quite happy to come over. You know, if you've got young children, it's awkward to put it into, put them into schools, etc., and so forth. Uh, so it's difficult for either way, you know, whether they're coming from Australia to the UK or versa visa. And if you get that sort of situation where... They just will not settle. Listen, different people. Years and years ago, Eddie, if you said you were going to play down in London, they'd say, I, I don't go that far for my holidays. Mm. But things, things have changed. It is something, though. I don't know what it is about it. You know, George Williams, not the first, and I'm sure George Williams won't be the last in wanting to come back. Yes, I think what you've got to look at, Eddie, is, is what is your family situation? 
Um, if you come over, say, from Australia, where your children are, are sort of, you know, eight, nine, ten, it's easier, I suppose, to do it. If they're, if they're youngsters, you know, one year, two year, it's difficult for your wife or your girlfriend, etc., to settle down. Uh, right, back to the cup. Um, Hull now face the Saints in the semi-finals. It's going to be tough for them, but Regan Grace, he signed a new deal at Saints last week. He got a hat-trick of tries in the quarter-final against Huddersfield. Regan Grace, 73 tries now in 117 appearances. He's a great player, isn't he? Great young player, this. Tremendous. And he's growing in confidence all the time. I remember watching him for his first few games, and I thought, a little bit timid. But now he's got a little bit of grunt behind him. You know, he's, he's not frightened to come in and take the ball and... Uh, it, it really has prospered. It's really got stronger and stronger. I remember and him making his debut at, at, at Wigan for Saints. It was a good Friday. And he picked the ball up midway inside his own half. And he went from there to the other end of the field and scored a brilliant try to mark his debut. He's, he's never looked back since. He really hasn't. No. And, uh, and when a, a guy can you know, notch up three tries, uh, you know there is something special. He is special. Uh, it was a, a narrow win over Huddersfield, to be fair. 23-18. Huddersfield, they are improving week by week, but again, so near, yet so far. Yeah, I think the indication showed that uh, in the middle, up front, they've tightened up. Their defence has tightened up in and around the ruck. But the mere fact that they conceded those tries out wide just indicates that they're getting there, but they're not 100%. Uh, but it's pleasing because the new coach will be happy with it. He must have been happy with leading at half time. Uh, but therefore, because a lot of people were raising their eyebrows and saying, you know, is this a mistake? Have we got the right coach? They've got to just take a little bit of time to let both the coach and the players understand his style of play. They'll come good. They will there, but I think with the poor start, they may struggle to get into that top five. Yeah, the, the, they'll be anxious. The longer this run goes on, um, they, will become, they will become more and more anxious, I'm sure. Uh, Saints haven't lifted the cup, you know, since 2008. Um, that, I think that's incentive enough for 2021, don't you? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you've got to look at the fact that... Uh, you know, Wigan and Saints, they always look upon it as, you know, that's the, the cup that they want. Not perhaps the players themselves, but the fans. The fans just love to feel that they want to go down to Wembley. And as you say, it's a long time since the Saints fans have, you know, they were going down in the Sharabangs those days. <laughs> I know. And, and, they, and they were lifting the cup virtually every time they went to the final, but... Um, it's a That's long time right. between drinks, is that? Look, we've mentioned yeah. Regan Grace on one wing, Tommy Makinson on the other wing. He lasted only three minutes. This foot injury that he's got seems to be more problematical uh, than they thought it was. Uh, I mean, that, that must be a concern for Christian Wolf and the Saints. Uh, it, it's got to be because uh, uh, you saw the look on his face when he went to the sideline. He, he knows that perhaps it's going to take a long time to get over that injury. He was devastated, was the lad. He was. It's, it, it, it's just so important to 
And that's where a lot of the teams, a lot of the coaches, they sometimes take a gamble. You know, do they bring him back the week early? Uh, it, it's hard to explain, but he will be furious that uh, it is broken down again. I'm sure he will. Well, halfway through the quarterfinals, Warrington against the Catalan Dragons, 16-6 to Warrington. Now, this wasn't the best game I've ever seen, uh, far from it. But Daryl Clark, well, he's a man in form, isn't he? 14-0 up Warrington in 26 minutes. They never looked like losing, did they? No, they're in full control. I mean, look, Clark is an exceptionally good player. Uh, that's going to be difficult for <laughs> for the English side. You know, who do you pick at hooker? That's you true. know, you look at, <laughs> you're looking at the lad from Castleford and we've got Roby there as well. But he is in top form. He, he wants to get back into that, that English spot. Um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? You know, with the, with the, the coach from Hull and uh, I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be a tough game. But also getting back to the St. Helens situation, Eddie, um, they've fallen short at the semi-final. It's as though semi-finals don't seem to sit in uh, into their sort of like we've got to win at all costs. They've come unstuck in the uh, semi-finals quite a few times. They have, they have. Um, the, the Warrington Wolves, though, just getting back to them, uh, a bit of a bit of revenge, I suppose, for the beating at Wembley in 2018 against the the Catalan Dragons. But the Catalan. I don't know. They seemed in. They seem to have got their indiscipline back. I, I don't know where that's come from because they've started the season so well, but they've they've suddenly fallen away. I think they're also uh, looking at quite a few older players as well, Eddie. Uh, they, in the early part of the season, um, they were very strong up front uh, with the forwards, and sometimes you know you can just overdo it, giving away silly penalties, especially in, cru in crucial games. You just can't afford to do that. You can't. Uh, the Warrington win, of course, and the fact that Castleford beat Salford, and we'll come on to the Castleford game uh, in a moment because it's another golden point drop goal we're going to discuss. Uh, the fact that Castleford beat Salford means that Warrington now face Castleford in the semi-finals. How interesting is this going to be for Daryl Powell, the Castleford coach, now, <laughs> this time next year, he'll be at Warrington. What does he do? What does he do in this? Does he... Does he have split loyalties or is it, hey, hey, lads, hey, we've got to get to Wembley for Cass? He'll have one direction and that's to make sure that Castleford get to Wembley. Don't worry about that. He won't be worried about where he's going the following year. He wants Castleford to get there and win that trophy. What a farewell present from the coach to say thank you for all the support from all the fans is for the team to lift that trophy at Wembley. What a great day that would be for them. It but it won't be, be easy. No, it yeah, won't. It won't. It won't. No, it won't well, it, be wasn't, easy. it wasn't easy against Salford. I mean, as I mentioned, the golden point drop goal, uh, a drop goal from that man, Gareth O'Brien, again. He did the same thing in the last round against Hulkingston Rovers. This time against Salford, his former club. But I thought Salford, I thought they did really well. Really well, Salford. Yeah, they're improving, and they had to because they were all over the shop. You know, the combination, new coach, etc. Uh, and let's face it, they lost some pretty good players, both by injuries and going to other clubs. But um, I remember years ago, Eddie, when everybody said, "I wish Stevo had stopped talking about this one point, I know. this one pointer." You know, what's all this about? 
And I remember quite a few coaches saying to me, you know, why do you keep talking about the one pointer? And I'm saying, it doesn't matter whether you win by 20 or one. It's winning that counts. It was same over here. Look, Northern Queensland played Brisbane Broncos over the weekend. And it was 18 all. And Valentine Holmes, the fullback, kicked the one pointer. They beat them 19-18. It was a tremendous game. Probably the best game that Brisbane have played this season. And it was an outstanding drop goal from, from Valentine Holmes. It's so important. Why do, you think, why do you think people, fans, coaches, certain players, I mean, Lee Breers would never knock a drop goal, I know, in his career. Why do you think people do it? Is it just because you were saying it, that the drop goal is so important? Do you think they want to have a row with you? No, no it's nothing to do with what I was saying or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if anyone had any common sense, they'd just ignore what I was coming out of my mouth. It was as simple as that. But, you know, I played the game at the top level and I understand that it's how you win. It's how you're going to do it. It's, oh, what, you know. People were saying to me, why do you say 10 minutes into the second half when it's six all, go for a one-pointer? Well, the fans weren't complaining if that one point got you the win. No. It's a great, it's a great skill, isn't it? It is a great skill. I mean, we see it, we see it not being demonstrated too brilliantly in the golden point uh, extra time from time to time. It's a drop goalathon, and they're missing it by miles. But when it's when it's done to perfection, a fantastic skill. Well, you ask any Huddersfield fan, and they say, uh, get rid of the one point because <laughs> they, over over the season they lost by one point. I don't know how many times. Yeah, they've but been close. You, You've also got to look at the fact that uh, down here in Australia, you can get a two-point drop goal. If you come from 40, 40 metres out and it goes between the H's, then you get two points, never mind one. I know. I know. It's a, it's a, it's a good weapon. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, we've already mentioned George Williams feeling homesick. I've just read, and the speculation continues, we've mentioned Daryl Clark, steve um, another one who is apparently attracting interest in Australia is Daryl Clark. Uh, what, are the, what are the news do you have uh, from your neck of the woods? Well, I've, we've already spoken about the Oliver Gildart situation, which was yep. came as a, a big surprise this morning. Um, interesting fact that uh, there's been a result, an in investigation by medical experts here and they are warning the NRL that the breakneck speed of our game under the new rules and changing the rules have seen an upsurge, an increase of 119% of injuries in the past five years. Fatigue is creating blowout scores. And at this point in time, 57 star players are now on the sidelines with injuries. Now, those injuries are cut down to 38 during playing the games, and 19 at training because the training has had to be lifted so that you can work out that make sure that the 17 players will last through the 80 minutes. I mean, it's fast and furious. And they say that it, it's no coincidence that there are so many injuries now out on the field of play. And it's the star players that are getting injured. 
And this is looking back five years. So it's not necessarily due to the pandemic and the change in the rules, which means with set restarts and the lack of scrums, etc., that it is getting quicker. It, it's something that has crept into the game over a period of time. Yeah, over the last five years. And they, right. uh, they, indi they indicate that uh, the, over the last two years that the increase just, you know, just kept going up and up and up and up. Because, uh, I mean, when you watch, it's fast and furious. I mean, oh, it's fierce. I, probably, I probably would have lasted 10 minutes, never mind 80 minutes at that, at that pace. Because uh, there's no grunt and grinding in the olden days when I had to put my head in a scrum. I mean, it's just, you know, six again, pass over. Before you know it, uh, that, and yet we still need the big heavyweight forwards. Talking of forwards, Eddie... Um, Sam Burgess had just come out, uh, he's had one month rehab, uh, he's had his problems, we, we spoke about that over the past couple of weeks, uh, and he's eager to get back into the game. Now, his brother Tom has uh, spoken out uh, this week and he's explained that Sam is eager to learn his trade as a coach, but he does not want to start in the limelight in Sydney. He wants to go to what we say in Australia, he wants to go and coach somewhere in the bush. In other words, 200, 300 miles away from the capitals. Right. Uh, and Tom's made it quite clear that Sam is, is very, very confident that he can one day become a very good coach. And I think it's just great to see Sam Burgess back into, into the fold. Welcome back, Sam. And if he gets away from the glare of the publicity that you get in, in Sydney and Brisbane and, and down in Melbourne and places like that, uh, it, it could be the making of him, couldn't it? It could be. Well, I, I think we all in, in rugby league hope that that can, that can be the case because it's just going to be pestered. The, the media down here, it's, it's equivalent to soccer in the UK. You know, you get four or five pages of rugby league uh, in the papers down here. Uh, you're lucky to get maybe two paragraphs uh, in the UK. So that gives you some indication. So I think it's wise that he wants to go out. And, and look, there'll be a lot, of, a lot of clubs in the country areas that would be very, very happy to bring the, the great player that Sam Burgess was. Um, and let's hope he can become equally as good as a coach. I wish him all the best. Yeah, we both do. Uh, I just want to say this to you. Uh, we've passed the 200-day mark to the World Cup final this week. 200 days and counting to the World Cup final in November. I wonder if we're going to get there. I wonder if we're going to see it. I wonder if we're going to have crowds there. Please, please, let's hope the pandemic doesn't come back. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I can get back to the UK, especially to see the, the World Cup. Uh, there's nothing bigger, there's nothing better um, I know that they'll talk in Australia about the state of origin is the greatest game, etc. and so forth. Look, these players will be going to the World Cup with only one thing on their mind, is to lift that trophy. You just think about it. If all you players are listening, just think about one thing, that you're the best in the world. Simple. They can't take it away from you. Simple. And of course, there speaks a man who won the World Cup in 1972, the last time we won it. You were there. You were part and parcel of it. You know what it means. Oh, certainly. And it means a lot to me. But 
also, it means a lot to your family, to your wife, your children, your, your grandchildren. It's something that they can never take away. Something that will always go through and, and, and your family will tell their family and the next generation that your great-grandfather or your grandfather or your great-great-great-grandfather actually won a World Cup. It's a great feeling, Eddie. I bet and it is. Every, every player for every country should have that as their main objective is to play in a World Cup final and be fortunate enough to win it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Look, I've already said next week the crowds are back in Super League. Restrictions are going to be lifted here in the UK to allow limited numbers back to the stadiums. Next Monday, Castleford, Hull, Lee, Saints and Warrington are all playing at home. And as I said earlier on, what a relief it is to get the fans back. Because the game, any game, any sport, is not the same without the supporters. Too true. And I think we have some of the best supporters in the world in any sport. And the traditions, it goes back to 1895. And uh, I think we're all proud to be associated with it, Eddie, but I'm with you. You cannot beat that lift that a crowd when someone makes a break goes for the corner and it just lifts you it's it's one of the greatest feelings when you watch a game of rugby league when someone scores a sensational try yeah and we've seen and we've seen a few haven't we just couldn't agree more we talk, we talk about rules eddie and i don't know who it was that suggested like look Let's eliminate the fact that a player's arm or shoulder hits the touched flag. Yes. Whoever, whoever said, let's drop that, has created something marvellous in rugby league. I, I, I just, I cannot imagine how it must feel to be able to dive across there knowing you can put it down. I mean, some of the replays, it's just, it's just outstanding. Can you name me another sport that has a scoring objective where you can fly? And that's what they do. They fly through the air. I know, and it happens week after week as well. And you're right, you know, sometimes they're almost in the front row of the stands and they're still putting it down. You know, they're in the no, air, mid-air, and bang, it goes down. It's brilliant. It absolutely is oh, brilliant. And, you know, the technology with the TV, we, we don't just get... The one replay, we get four, five, or six. And why not? Yeah. Because it looks to be impossible. Can you get into that, into that about one foot square to put that ball down while you're in midair? It's, it's just tremendous. I'm being biased here, Eddie, but you name me another sport that can give you a scoring opportunity with so much skill and class. No, there's, there's not many, I must say. I mean, footy, when, when they play football in the Premier League and the, the Championship and everything else, if they rattle one in from 35 yards out, it's a, it's a great feeling as a fan to see that go in, particularly in a, in a major match. But I know what you mean. I mean, in one split second, airborne, legs in the air, hands to the floor, and you somehow, with one hand, hold on to the pill, and down it goes. It's, it's sensational. <laughs> sensational. <laughs> It is, and I mean, I, I, I just—I mean, there was never any opportunity of me diving into the corner. I can assure you of that. I—I I used to plod just down the middle, but, but I, I, 
I cannot. I can't grasp it. How do they do it? No. The skill factor is, is out of this world. It is. It's amazing. And please, we get a few more of them between now and the end of the season. Right, there we go. That's us done for this week. Uh, by the way, uh, stand by for another of the special one-off interviews that will be coming up soon. Uh, following hot on the heels of uh, the interviews with Kevin Sinfield, Lee Breers, Sean Wayne and Paul Sculthorpe over the past four months, Jonathan Davis, steve has agreed to be our next subject. And that will be out and about, hopefully in the next 10 days to a fortnight, all being well. So watch out on your podcast feeds and social media and everything else uh, for details of that in the not-too-distant future. Be good to talk to Jiffy again, won't it? Oh, will it ever. He doesn't mind just uh, telling it how it happens and what they should be doing. And it's good that we've got characters like that in the game who are still involved. He was a great player and uh, I enjoy his commentary. Simple yes. as that. It's, yeah, uh, me too. He, he calls it as he sees it. I think you and I used to do exactly the same thing. So um, it should be a great interview. Absolutely. Well, all being well, we'll have that in the next uh, week, 10 days or so. Uh, good on you, Steve-O. Uh, stay safe. And uh, we'll talk next week. Take care. Bye.